Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Jake Thomas. Jake runs a company called Life Like Jake. It's a great company. He talks so much about nutrition and how it affects our whole life and our spirituality as well. I hope you guys enjoy. It's very informative. Please check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Jake Thomas. Hey, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with Jake Thomas. Jake, thanks for to- joining me, man. Thanks so much for having me today on the show, Nor. It's good to be here, brother. Yeah, this will be a good one. Uh, so I'll tell people about your company. It's called uh, Life Like Jake. Um, and I guess like uh, you kind of describe it a little bit as like as a mindset training thing. Is that what you would describe it as yes uh personal growth and development elite mindset discipline accountability self-reliance spiritual and physical nutrition nice yeah a little bit of everything i love that and uh you kind of talk about like doing an unplugging process to kind of start you off what does that mean very much so so you know whether you come for business coaching which i also do a lot of for people scaling online starting you know their own businesses, their own coaching businesses, or their own otherwise, you know, SBOs that are trying to be in the digital market space, whether you're for that, for nutrition, for exercise, for mindset, trying to beat an addiction or some kind of, you know, ailment or otherwise, all of us, myself, you, anyone we know is hooked into a system, subscribes to a system culturally, societally, familially, professionally, friendly, in one way or another. And that system has determined our behaviors mm-hmm. and the root of that system and the determinant of our behaviors is our nutrition. And that's where I do an overhaul with people because I am a firm believer as is kind of my quoted line of the single most effective thing we can do in regards to our health to have the most profound impact is controlling what we put into our mouths. And that's where it starts, Nor. Yeah, no, I, uh, I can definitely agree with that statement. Um, Maybe you should give our audience a little background of your uh, kind of uh, journey with nutrition. Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in New Orleans, <laughs> of all places, born and raised. My mother's from Mexico. So culturally, I come from a very rich, decadent, flavorful, colorful uh, palate, right? Mm-hmm. Culinarily, dietarily, and otherwise. And with that, my joy and love of food uh, came along with being from there and from those places and cultures. Just the same as I progressed throughout uh, my fitness, I guess you could say career and athletic career, and also in dating girlfriends, I experimented more and more with diets. And I say that about girlfriends because I dated a girl that was a vegetarian. I kind of became a vegetarian. I dated a girl that was a vegan. I kind of became a vegan. Each one of those was kind of a a chance for me to try something as opposed to saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And so sometimes the relationships are actually the segues into my uh, explorations with diet. So that's really how a lot of it started. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I like that being a little bit of uh, experimental. eh? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then like, uh, so 
where did you like end up finding like did you ever have some like issues with your diets that like do you think your diet was holding you back and then that's why you like you were kind of experimenting to find something that like could maybe unleash some i don't know maybe more energy or potential in you at the times then not so much but now in retrospect a hundred percent and what i have found now is absolutely whether it's you me anyone you know anyone i know anyone else out there Literally, the thing that holds most of us back from our potentials, whether it's a full potential or even like an iota of, of better than what we currently are at potential, is what we put into our freaking mouths, man. Yeah. It is amazing. And so the experiments, the journey with friends and, and athletics in my career and whatnot, it was great because I drew from it empathetically for clients that I serve later on in the future, meaning- when I started coaching people in nutrition, I wanted to be able to draw from an ample data pool to mm -hmm. be able to relate to someone like, okay, Noor, client Noor, he's a vegetarian. Great. I've been a vegetarian for over a year. We can talk. I can understand you. You know, And my the requirements for these diets that I was doing was minimum one year. Not like when someone wow. says, oh, I've tried this diet. I've tried that diet too. And I'm like, how long? And they're like, oh, like 21 days. I'm like, stop. No. That doesn't work. Yeah. Right. So vegetarian is a minimum one year. Uh, I was a vegan for 16 months or 14 months, I forget, but it was over one year. Competed in athletics as a professional athlete, even as a vegan, as a vegan natural bodybuilder, because people said it couldn't be done. Did the bodybuilding also as a standard American dieter, as a bro dieter, as an if it fits your macros dieter. And again, all of these for a minimum of one year. In retrospect, being able to draw from there empathetically to serve people that I would coach in nutrition. But now the way and what I have found is becoming more and more, uh, I don't want to say dogmatic because I don't like the word dogma in absolute, but it's getting harder and harder for me to disprove this hypothesis of the nutrition that I've now found and, and prioritize and encourage most people to try uh, and make an effort with themselves. Okay. And uh, no, that's pretty damn cool. And it's like impressive that you tried all these diets and then you can go and like do shit like, because you are a bodybuilder, right? I, in the past, yeah, I used to compete in uh, natural bodybuilding in the category of men's physique but then also have done a lot of things as far as in performance athletics, like marathons and swims and and, rate and other races and whatnot to kind of show the difference in uses of energy and how the body can actually do things that we're, we're not supposed to be able to do according to nutritional or conventional dietetics and nutritional science. A la, I ran a, the Philly, Philadelphia marathon a few years ago, two years ago, and it was my first marathon ever. And I did it on like 21 days notice. So very short prep time. And I was totally carnivore at the time. And people were like, you need carbohydrates. You need intra race fuel, gel, water, et cetera. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to run this without carbs. I'm going to run this without water. And I'm going to do it fasted. So dry, carbless, and fasted. And they're like, okay, well, what are you going to barely cross the finish line? I was like, nah, I'll run sub 330. And people were like, yeah, that's pretty lofty. Like, why don't you just worry about finishing the first race or finishing the first <laughs> marathon? And I was like, I have the data. I know how I run. I know how I perform. If my math is correct and my theory is correct, and my science is correct, like this should work. And all I have to do is execute, right? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, uh, no no uh, water during the race, nothing on course, uh, no gels, nothing, no, fat, no food that day. I fasted from the night before and I had no carbs going into it and I ran 326. So- okay. There were people that were like, that's impossible. You shouldn't be able to do that. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you because here's the medal. 
Yeah, yeah. So what what would you say the reason the no water was like, do you think water was that just more to prove it to yourself? Or was that more of a like water will slow me down if I have it during the no, race? No, it, it would have definitely helped. It was it was to prove the point just to put oh, an okay, asterisk okay. on top of everything because I'd ran a half marathon uh, just three weeks prior on Halloween day in New Orleans. And I finished the half under 90 minutes. And I didn't get any water during the half because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I don't need it. And this was not planned. The marathon after that was not planned. Not taking water on the half marathon was not planned. But I drew from that same kind of uh, hypothesis to create the idea of the sub 330 marathon. So I ran the half in under 90 minutes. And while running the half, that first mile, I was like, I don't need any water. I'm good. So next one, next one. And then before I knew it, I was like seven, eight miles in and I hadn't taken water. I was like, well, I might as well just run through it. And we're still running well. My, my pace is still good. No problem. So I finished the half and I felt really good. And I was like, man, I should just go for a full one. I feel real. I feel great right now. Mm-hmm. And so I just in my head, I'm like, okay, if I were to double this distance output, same lack of water, you know, obviously there's going to be a diminishing return at some point, but I was like, I should be able to do that. So that was my theory. And I said, when's the next marathon or closest one to me? And it was Philadelphia. It was three weeks away. And I was like, okay, I guess we got to kind of do a crash course prep here. So again, on short notice, I'd never run one before. And with all those other things, yeah, that's how important the right or best or most optimal nutrition can really be. No kidding. So now that you've like you've done carnivore and you've done uh, veganism and like you did them both long term and like we're very physical and athletic during it. Like, what do you like? How did both of those uh, affect your athleticism? Well, so I've been carnivore now for uh, three years. Okay, o- over three years now. This is and this is where I'm I'm planting my flag for sure. Because first thing about veganism, unless you are a raw vegan you are eating a lot of processed food, period. Don't Mm. care who you are because none of those items exist naturally unless they're raw. Think about it. Satai, Taipan, you know, beyond whatever, impossible, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like all of that takes processing to create all of it. Mm -hmm. And unless you are a raw vegan, you're eating a lot of processed food. Now, if you're a vegan athlete on top of that, you are definitely eating a lot of processed food because you have to take supplements. You cannot source the macronutrients a la protein, carbohydrates, and fat in the ratios that you want. You know, someone might say, well, you can get plenty of protein from beans or spinach or X, Y, Z. Yeah, but they come with a lot of other things too, whether it be fat, whether it be carbohydrates, or whether it be this laundry list of micronutrients or other types of toxins, essentially, that you do not want. So in order to find bare bones, proteins, bare bones, other types of supplements, you are rather macronutrients, you have to take supplements. Mm. So even though I was feeling good, um, I was able to perform, I should say, I was able to perform well as an athlete on all the diets, don't get me wrong. And I still coach people now saying like, look, I can get you ripped on McDonald's if you want. I can show you how to do that. You're not going to feel the best because the quality of what you're consuming is not great, but numerically, mathematically, I can show you how to do it. And yes, it's feasible. Now, the writing on the wall started to come to me in the form of, I would look at the cabinet or the shelf and see all this stuff that I was taking to get myself to this place, meaning all these powders, all these droppers, all these pills yeah. you know, to create 
sustenance. I was like, yeah. God, this is so much stuff, man. Like, you know, I'd go to the grocery store and it's an overhaul. Or I'm spending, you know, crazy money on again on on supplements. I was like, huh, that's weird. And then I was using the bathroom a lot, a lot of bowel movements as a vegan, especially yes. as a vegan athlete. Large bowel movements, frequent bowel movements, you know, minimum three a day, sometimes five or six a day. Ew. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking uh, <laughs> now, we're, now we're getting serious, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking uh, it's because I'm an athlete. I've got a good metabolism, blah, 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 blah. Come back to that point. Whereas on carnivore, literally, you can take a single source of sustenance and give your body damn near everything it needs. No more pills, no more supplements, no more gigantic list of ingredients to create what is needed, right? Literally something the size of your fist, a la the right steak, a right good cut of beef, has all the macronutrients, the micronutrients, the vitamins, the amino acid profile, first of all, that does not exist in the plant kingdom, along with some of the other enzymes that are going to be in there that do not exist necessarily also in the plant kingdom. Hmm. But again, single source, one thing, man. So that alone, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like I, if I want to live off just a single thing and thrive, I can do that. And then the correlation to the bowel movement thing, the infrequency dramatically dropped or the frequency about it dramatically dropped mm -hmm. the volume dramatically dropped to tell me that, okay, my body is not wasting all this stuff anymore, but rather we are retaining everything because all of it is usable because the bioavailability of it is through the roof a hundred percent. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, honestly, when it comes to that many bowel movements, I wouldn't, uh, I would feel comfortable doing a marathon on a carnivore diet the way you're yeah, describing man. it. Uh, yeah, I mean, toilet paper gets expensive, you know. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, all right. That's interesting to hear. Like a carnivore diet, is it just like one meat or do you, is any meat good? Or like, what do you, what do you like? What's a normal meal for you? Great question. So there's, circles within the circle right let's okay. let's start let's start on the on the broadest sense if you were to go what's considered animal based animal based meaning the majority of your calories are coming from animal products now that means any type of animal any type of animal byproduct so that would include dairy that would include you know butters cheeses creams tallow etc cetera, etc cetera. so anything from an animal right any cut and any type of animal now the first question people ask well what about honey you know are bees animals on an animal-based diet, yeah, honey's good to go. A lot of people also eat fruit on an animal-based diet and also some types of low glycemic carbohydrates and obviously low lactose dairies. Once you go within that circle, let's say from animal-based to carnivore, now you're removing the fruit. You're removing the spices. You're removing anything that is derived not from an animal, mm -hmm. right? So most people are like, what about pepper? And that, well, pepper is a corn. No. What about this kind of garlic or spice? I'm like, no, it's a plant. So no. So this is the circle within the circle. Now it's all the animals ruminant or otherwise, you know, if it breathes, flies, walks, crawls, swims, you're pretty much good to go. Mm -hmm. Any cut in any kind. Now the circle within that circle is what I, what I call the lion diet, right? Where it's ruminant animals only, salt and water. What's a ruminant animal? A hooved land walker, right? So your mm -hmm. bovine, cattle, bison, sheep, and goat, and I guess lamb, even though lamb and sheep are basically the same thing. And that's it. So no more pork, no more poultry, no more fowl, certainly no more seafood. So circles within the circle. So animal-based, wow. carnivore, and then lion. And for me, as far as in typical day, if I were to eat 
animal based. My last animal based meal was a few weeks ago. Uh, I had like a half pound of real, real, real fatty brisket. Delicious. Half pound of uh, pork ribs with a side of one banana, some mixed fruit, which included uh, some pineapple and papaya. And I had honey, raw, um, organic honey drizzled on top of that. Now, if I'm eating carnivore, it would be the same meal, but without the fruit. And if I were to be eating lion, it would be the brisket doubled or tripled up, but without the pork, obviously. So like right now for February, I'm, I'm going straight lion with a friend of mine. Um, I'm fasting for a few more days. So he's already started, um, today, but I'll be getting into it in a few days with him. And I'll probably open up with a pound of ground beef with organs or ground, um, ground elk actually with organs with seven different organs and uh, blended into it, which is delicious. Probably bathe that in, in beef tallow that I make homemade. Okay. And then I'll have a, a nice big steak probably for dinner that night. Yeah. And then you'll like, so you're just eating like a ton of calories and then you can fast for a couple of days. Is that how it works? So I fast just kind of as I choose to, as I want to, I do eat a lot uh, as OMAD or one meal a day. So I'll do, you know, regularly 24 hour fast and just have single meals. But right now I just kind of wanted to finish the month of January and go into this line diet real, real, real clean. Um, so I'm doing a full week fast and I'm on the third day right now for that. Mm-hmm. And then once I start eating again, it's pretty much all intuitive, man. Um, I eat when I feel right. I eat until I feel full and just listen to my body on that. And the amount of calories, I would say my maintenance amount is probably around 30 two to 3,600 calories a day. And, um, that's what keeps me right. That's what keeps me feeling great. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. And sometimes I'll just throw in a fast for a day or two or three or seven when, (laughs) uh, when they call to me like that, but it really just becomes intuitive. Uh, the cravings go away because you're not having sugars and simple carbohydrates refined and processed foods coming into your body, corrupting your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's just simple, man. It keeps it simple. Yeah. And, uh, like, honestly, like with me, I kind of like really quit sugar or like a lot of sugar products. I'm probably sneaking in there because they're like, you find out they're pretty much in everything, but everything, everything. Yeah. Like I've been like, just getting rid of that. You realize like how much you have to fight that craving at the beginning. But once it goes away, like the mental clarity you get is like quite impressive. It's really nice. Absolutely, man. And you know, it's funny, like I've, I've been to rehab for, for drugs, um, and alcohol and there's rehab for everything, right? Mm-hmm. There's AA groups for everything NAA groups for everything, you know, mm-hmm. sex, shopping, gambling, drugs, alcohol. There's no support group for sugar addiction oh, <laughs> that I know yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And everybody is addicted to it, like mm-hmm. it or not you, me, everyone out there in some form of another, because if you start looking at labels, for anything you buy, if it comes in a, a wrapper or a box, like you can almost guarantee it's got either gluten or sugar in it, period, right? Mm-hmm. And you cannot discern what is making you sick or what is keeping you from feeling badly until you do a real type of elimination or reduction type diet, a la carnivore, a la the lion, because you cannot do these diets or rather you cannot deduce this type of information when you have so many variables coming into you a la keto i mean yeah. a la uh, veganism right mm-hmm. like when you have that many things coming in is it the kale is it the avocado is it the spinach is it the squash is it the apple like you have no idea and mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying about the singular source of sustenance meaning 
when you are just eating one thing and not just doing okay on it, but freaking thriving, you're like, wow, this is pretty remarkable. Okay, now let me reintroduce things singularly. And then you start to learn how things affect you. And you can legitimately say it's, wow, kiwis jacked my world all up. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> or like squash or fucking tomatoes. I mean, like from one thing to the next, you would never think that those things have such profound impact. But again, the single most effective thing we can do in regards to our health to have the most profound impact is controlling what we put into our mouths, man. Yeah, Simple no kidding. Um, yeah. That's a great point too. I like that. Go to the singular source and then totally. you act. Like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, totally. I was wondering when you go from like carnivore to animal base and like when you add like spices and like different kind of stuff like that, like, you know, spices that like, for me, like, I'm just such a huge spice fan. Like, yeah, yeah. Have, have you noticed what those spices do, like garlic or any other kind of like different peppers and stuff like that? Have you noticed a difference in your body when you eat those? Totally, man. And and again, you know, we share similar uh, backgrounds as far as an eclectic spice. I can mm -hmm. tell by your name and, and, your, and your accent for sure. You know, like you and I can get down a lot of food together and smile. Mm -hmm. Uh, from New Orleans and from Mexico, like, yeah, like live on that, right? Like everything in both cultures is, is rich in that. So if I'm being really strict and by strict, I mean, happily, not like in a prison. Yeah. But if I'm feeling great, like recently I just came off of like a three month stretch of, uh, of straight carnivore. Um, and for the last uh, two months of that, I was eating one meal a day. So 20, uh, 66 days of, of 24 hour fast congruently. And I was telling myself when I come off of this, okay, I'm going to put my toes back into the water, right? Reintroduce things singularly so that I can see how I feel and what affects me. Well, I didn't heed my own advice. I started off my first meal with like, you know, blueberries and papaya and mango and a, and a couple of different fruits, a little bit of dark chocolate, some nice raw yogurt and, and honey on top of that. I didn't feel the best the next day. And I had a cup of coffee as well. I hadn't had caffeine in three months. Had a cup of coffee the next day too. And I was like, oh man, I re it really put me off, Nor. Really oh, wow. set me off because, you know, there's just a lot going on. It's a big spike of insulin for sure coming from the fruit and the fructose that I just ingested. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't discern whose fault was to blame because I had too many of those things. Yeah. Now to your question about spice. Yeah, man. Like I got to be careful with, I would say garlic and onions are probably the ones that come after me the most for sure. Because like I can immediately tell by getting gas, right? Like on carnivore, zero gas, zero burps, oh, wow. zero indigestion. Yeah, man, it's it's remarkable. So like as soon as I have any type of digestive di digestive reaction, you know, most of us think like, oh, I got a little gas today. Wow, whatever. It's no big deal. It's like, dude, the food is literally doing that to you, right? Yeah. Or like, hey, I've got some indigestion today. Like people with indigestion for the most part are pretty good about not eating the foods that they know cause indigestion because it's painful and uncomfortable. I've never experienced it myself, so I don't know. But from what I know of people that have it, friends, whenever we're going somewhere or they're, we're going to eat something or do something like, no, man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat that because it'll give me heartburn. I'm like, okay, cool. No big deal. People are viciously loyal to that. Right. Mm -hmm. But like with other things, like you know, booze gives me a headache. Well, why do you keep freaking drinking? Or this makes me gassy. Well, why do you keep eating that? Or this makes me feel this way. Well, why do you keep eating that? But we do, right? So for me, I know for sure as much as I love grilled onions, oh man, as much as I love roasted garlic, 
I don't need them so much anymore because yeah, they make me feel weird straight up, you know, or rather when you start feeling like a billion dollars, feeling like a million dollars starts feeling a lot different. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can completely understand that. I could like, uh, I, I, and like, I know like there's like different like stages of like inflammation in your body that you can feel. Cause like, oh. yeah, there's when you're like extremely inflamed and bloated where you're that, or then you just come down to a little bit and you're like, Hey, this feels <laughs> kind of good. But like, once you yeah. get like even that out, you're like, why am I going back to that shit? Exactly. And, and like, you know, when your watch is starting to pop off your wrist or you look down at your feet. And you're like, oh my God, I can't see the the veins in my feet because my feet are so swollen, which I've done before. Like I've been at I was at Thanksgiving a few years ago and I stepped off line and had a bunch of pie and sweets and treats. Thanksgiving with the family, had a couple of drinks even. Mm. And man, I remember being like, God, my my hands feel bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And then I looked down at my feet. My feet are swollen. I, I literally, you know, I'm normally very vascular and, and can see uh, my veins and, and whatnot in my, my hands, and my feet. I couldn't see them in my feet. And I was like, what the what's going on here? And that's inflammation, you know, but for the most of us, we disregard that. Or we're just like, ah, whatever, you know, it's no big deal. But like, man, that is our body literally talking to us. And our bodies are the greatest, most unbiased, objective communicators ever. Mm -hmm. But we, with free will and conscious mind, you know, decide whether to listen to them or not and the bodies can't make us listen but they can tell us hey nor it's hot we're sweating or i'm going to start sweating because it's really hot in here so you need to take note and if you don't listen to me i'm eventually going to drop your ass with heat exhaustion or heat stroke okay thanks <laughs> hey nor we're cold i'm showing you that we're cold with some goosebumps dog so get me warmed up real quick or we're going to go hypothermic and eventually freaking die okay thanks a lot <laughs> but if nor doesn't cool it off or if nor doesn't put his jacket on like the body told you like what to do right yeah yeah no and i love that idea of like listening to the body i think it's uh you know i think it's also something like as a culture and i know how you say like part of your thing is a spiritual thing which i think spirituality is a little bit of listening to your body and like really just kind of being present with like what's going on in your body at the present moment right Totally. You know, like when I say physical and spiritual nutrition, that's, that's what I mean. Like, it's not just about consumption in the mouth, but it's consumption of everything, right? Circumstance, environment, people for sure. Right. What's coming into our ears, what's coming into our eyes, what we are allowing into our minds and thus our spirits. That's all nutrition. That's all sustenance. That's all forms of consumption. So understanding what we need in the form of what's going to best serve us I think is a critical thing and it's a hard thing for a lot of people to differentiate or otherwise adhere to because got family pressure. You know, I was just in new Orleans a couple of days ago and visiting with my brother and his wife and their, their little girl, my goddaughter love dearly. She's going to be four in July. And, you know, I wanted to eat some cereal with her. Like she was having snacks and treats and I'm just sitting there holding her and she's holding on to me and, and we're, rolling around on the sofa and she's like, I miss you so much, Uncle Jake, you know, please don't leave again. And I'm like, oh my God, killing me, you know? <laughs> and she's like having cereal and I'm like, I'm going to have some cereal with my godchild. Damn right I am. And I made a bowl of Lucky Charms with some like other stuff, like mueslicks or something in it and, and like almonds and it was delicious and banana, but I got so sick from it. <laughs> I got so bloated because we had dinner afterwards. You know, she's eating like 
snacks and my brother's like hey i made you a big steak (laughs) i couldn't even finish the steak man i was so full from this cereal and there's a picture of me on the sofa with her passed out because i was literally like (laughs) unconscious like incapacitated from it you know but there i am knowing what this is going to do to me choosing to do otherwise because man it's it is that difficult you know we are so embedded we are so ingrained we love the feelings that we get from the 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 pleasure center that takes over when we have these sugars when we have these refined and highly processed foods that's what they're made to do man and so it's not even so much about us having the willpower or you know i'm i'm this guy i have this business and i'm i'm so tough and disciplined like i bleed just like you man i breathe just like you i cry just like you i struggle just like you and just the same, like I am susceptible to the same dangers and difficulties, whether it's food, life, love, or anything, mm-hmm. you know, like another person. But I used it as a teachable moment, a learning moment to be able to say, like, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, I can still stand my ground in a way where I enact what I believe in, when what I believe is this diet, these principles, these values, and to be able to show her an example of who I am, being honest with her by being honest with myself, as opposed to, you know, compromising on my principles to have a little bit of pleasure in a moment. Yes, it's a great moment in a memory, but what kind of memory would have been more lasting had I been more stoic, had I been more true to myself and my conscience, you know, as opposed to letting my emotional sensitivity get the better of me there. Mm-hmm. No, man, that's well said. Um, yeah, like, I'm interested in like how you talk to or like help people with addiction because it seems like addiction is something you've dealt with like um like over and over again in your life. So I'm just kind of like wondering like what what do you uh like because I know you say something on your website you even talk about like you think food uh you can use nutrition to help with all your addictions, which I find 100%. very uh interesting. Like what do you mean by that? So exactly what you're saying. Yes, you can use food to help with all of your addictions. So like the people that I've helped get off prescription drugs, get off booze, stop taking pain meds, cure their anxieties, cure their depressions, you know, any of the mental disorders or disturbances, veterans with PTSD, et cetera. When you start to realize again, Nor, that so much of our mind that is polluted and convoluted with nonsense stems from what we consume. And you start to realize when you stop consuming these things and start consuming that singular thing or just a few of the right things, and the mind starts to clean and clear itself on its own, it's a powerful reaction. All the while, pills, medication, etc., they're never actually curing or going to the root cause. They're more so masking. They're making life become more tolerable, livable, even if it's not the most comfortable. But they're never actually curing you right? Xanax doesn't cure anxiety. It makes it more tolerable. Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, Dextroamphetamine doesn't cure ADHD. It makes it more tolerable. Most medications, most prescription drugs do not cure the elements that they are being used for. They just make having them or living with them more tolerable. That's amazing. And we're talking a trillion dollar business, right? That doesn't actually cure. It just makes, yeah, you can just keep on being the way you are, fucked up or unhealthy or whatever, and just take a pill and like 
just keep living your shitty quality of life life. Okay. What I'm saying and what I do just by nutrition alone changes that. It changes the chemistry within your mind because things internally, especially biochemically, and things on the cellular level within the body, aside from you missing an appendage and saying, hey, Jay, can you help me grow my finger back? I'll still take a crack at it, you know, but things inside on the biochemical pathway and on the cellular level are literally just circuits that are closed that need to be open or circuits that are open that need to be closed. And oftentimes that circuitry is literally hanging in the balance of a deficiency or a surplus of a specific little nutrient or a micronutrient. And that's it. Those drugs and other things don't address that. They just add on top of it and and basically hold the circuit together like that. And they're just like, okay, we're good for a little bit. And then when they go away, the circuit opens back up again, mm-hmm. same thing, closed or open, but it's not actually trying to figure out, repair it, and then make sure it stays or make sure it stays up closed. Additionally, the problem with going out there is exactly that you're going out there thinking the result or the, the answer is out there. It's external. No, the cure to all of us, PTSD, depression, anxiety, addiction, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex, doesn't matter, is here. And as long as we think the answer is out there, you're never going to change. You're never going to heal. So the diet, though it is effective and it is a part of that cleansing internally, it's actually a metaphor, nor because you're commanding so much presence, so much self-actualization, so much self-autonomy, so much self-reliance, intestinal fortitude, discipline, these things that most people have begotten for a long time if they never had them at all. And by simply doing all that, your focus is no longer in the depression or the anxiety or the or the addiction because it can't be, because you have to be focused here because it's so fucking hard to not eat these things, to not do these other things that your mind is literally turned off from those and turned on to this and poof, the lights come back on. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I do like how it's like, the way you kind of describe it is just kind of focus on one thing. So it makes it just very easy to just kind of do that, right? Because you don't have like 20 different things to kind of keep your mind on. It's just like you can just always bring your mind back to one thing, right? Absolutely. You know, like one of my uh, one of my top clients been prescribed Xanax since he was an adolescent for depression and anxiety, literally since he was like nine or 10 years old, something crazy, man. He and I are the same age, or he's a couple months older than me. He just turned 39. And he's been with me for uh, three months now, since November. So I'm coming up on his fourth month. He has taken a pill, Xanax, every single day since he was nine or 10 years old for his anxiety and depression. Every single day. So it's 30 years, three zero years, right? He's been with me for, this is the fourth month now. He's coming up on three months of not taking a pill. Nice. After 30 fucking years, dude, mm-hmm. of every single day, what have I done to him? I haven't electrocuted him. I haven't made him climb Mount Everest 10 times barefoot and backwards. <laughs> I haven't taken him underwater and, and tried to drown him and resuscitate him back and forth. Eat these foods, do these habits, read these books, think this way. That's it. And he has not taken a pill now for over three months, and it has not happened since over 30 years. We met the other day for lunch. We were in person. 
And to hear him talk, he's like, dude, I just, I don't even think about it anymore. And him explaining to me what I already knew and understood and why, you know, I impress and teach the way I do because he's talking about presence because so much of, you know, what is anxiety? Anxiety is fear of the future more Mm. than anything or the unknown, you know, Mm -hmm. but when you shift that and put yourself in the present, yes, it can be hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. It can be very trying and fucking a something tough to do, of course, but it can be done. It can be done. And if it can be done, it can be undone. And I mean that in the sense of our thoughts are things. So if you can think your way there to that depressed state, if you can think your way there to that state of anxiety, if you can think your way there to that place of chaos, you can fucking unthink your way out. Mm-hmm. Period. It is that simple. Simplicity is is an objective matter of fact. Something is or is not simple. That's not an opinion. Now, whether it's easy or difficult, that's a different story. So the implementation of this, or rather the the principle based around this is simple. The implementation, the execution, that's up to you. It might be easy for you. It might be fucking hard as hell for me. <laughs> Most people, it is hard as hell. But when you see it for what it is in the simplicity, you can go, my God, okay. If If I can think that way, I can think out of it. If I can feel that way, I can feel out of it. And it takes being present in order to realize that and then in order to do it. But you can't do it with a bunch of corrupt drugs coming into your body with side effects might be blah, 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 blah. You're talking about this is getting all fucked up. This gut microbiome is getting all jacked up. You pour on antibiotics on top of that. The whole circuit board in here is all out of whack. No, it... uh... I can see that. And uh, yeah, no, I, I like understand that. Can you tell me like this client you were talking about uh, who you got off of Xanax? Like what uh, can you tell us kind of like uh, what a, what changes to their diet that you helped out with? Yeah, he just went carnivore. Oh, he just Period. went carnivore that quick. Period. That, that's simple. If you if you come to me and you you have any of those lists of, you know, depression, anxiety and autoimmune disease. <laughs> Uh, an addiction of some kind you're trying to beat. I had somebody, you know, that was addicted to vaping uh, recently, another guy to pornography, another person to, uh, to booze. I mean, drugs, anything like that's going to be the key. That's going to be the start of it. And then guess what? You are going to have all the Eureka and aha moments yourself. And that's why the diet, though it is a part and it is a direct beneficiary, it's really a metaphor. Because it's going to unlock all these other things. And it's about you and unlocking your subconscious mind and realizing the power that was always in there, but you just never thought it was, or you had too much shit out there keeping you from believing that it could be. Mm. That's interesting. No, I I completely understand that. Like, have you, when, with all these diets you tried, like, um, so for me, like I like what I'm kind of doing right now, which has been good for me, but I don't know if it would be like uh, if I tried carnivore, what would happen? But like I got, excuse me, I got like a lot of processed foods out of my diet and I got all that kind of like added sugars out of my diet. And like now I'm just eating like a lot of just whole foods, but it's meat, vegetables and like whole grains. So like, you know, like I would have like yesterday i had rice and like a thai curry chicken curry kind of thing with like coconut Mm. stuff like so like those are kind of like the meals i'm eating now like 
what what do you have you tried those kind of like whole foods diet like now you're it but you're still having like whole grains like how did that help or work with you yeah uh you know when i was most of my life growing up was was a whole foods you know diet mm. um or you could say the standard american diet even though the standard american diet is not necessarily whole foods my mother was pretty good about trying to keep uh mostly whole foods around i still had fast food i still had some junk food but yes i would say if you're out there and you want something simple to adhere to okay if you can pick it pull it or kill it that's a good place to start now you mentioned whole you mentioned whole grains um you live in canada but we'll still say it's north america or it is north america rather you are consuming likely the same wheat germ as what is being consumed in America. Grain is trash. It's trash for the body. It's trash for the mind. It's trash for the system. It's garbage. The reactions that are taking place. If there's, if you think sugar is the enemy, like it's hard to say who's worse, gluten or sugar. And I say that in the sense that the way gluten is naturally and what it looks like naturally would be something like this. Let's say this is as God made gluten or as the creator made Gluten, this is how it occurs naturally. This is what the American version looks like, meaning they are that different. Why? They're the same thing. Because this one has been made to withstand temperature, pressure, an extended shelf life, compatibility, morphology, like all kinds of things to make it more durable and essentially more marketable and mass distributable. Mm. Whereas this one is perishable. It's a naturally occurring thing. It's going to die quickly. It's going to wither away. It can't do all the things this one can. So what does that mean? When they're cooked or prepared, they look the same. Bread looks like bread, pasta looks like pasta. But internally, this thing destroys you. The other one does not. And that is why you look at places like Italy, France, other parts of Europe, where there's a high consumption of gluten, particularly bread and pasta. Yet there is not the same correlation of obesity. There's not the same correlation of other dietarily related diseases and certainly not heart disease as there is in the fucking United States. Because our refined grains, our carbohydrates, our wheat, gluten, our germ, the actual like molecule that we use is so diluted, is so titrated, is so adulterated that it's destroying us from within, even though we don't realize it. So to your question about your diet, if you feel good, man, if, if it's working for you, like, don't let me be you know, the reverend saying, come to Jesus, God's going <laughs> to save you. That's not my mission. You know, that's not what I'm here to do. I am here to present objective facts, meaning if you want a single source of sustenance and you want to for sure remove all impurities and understand what your body is like base zero, this is what you do, mm-hmm. right? Just like an infant with breast milk. Why does breast milk exist? It is a miracle of mammalian evolution to provide that infant, that fragile developing growing body everything it needs from a single source, just like the steak, a single source of sustenance while duressing the body as least as possible. Remember, no gas, infrequent bowel movements, no vomiting, no indigestion, no inflammation, the whole list of carnivore. It's the same thing as breast milk, right? That's why a baby cannot consume all those things because if you have an infant get inflammation, it might fucking kill it. Mm -hmm. If you have an infant get get bad diarrhea, it might die, which is what leads infant mortality in many undeveloped countries throughout the world still. Mm-hmm. What is the number one killer of most infants throughout undeveloped countries throughout the world? Dehydration by way of diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So 
you think about that and say, all right, I like these foods. I'm feeling pretty good. But if there's a curiosity to you, if there's a, how much better could I feel or thinking like, you know, I'm about to put, I'm putting a post together today actually about the great debate of what is the best diet is always going to be flawed so long as it is pleasure versus utility. Meaning, I love blueberries. I love these things. Okay, uh, me too. You love sugar. I like this. I like that. I don't like this. I'm not going to eat that. I don't. Emotion. I can't eat this. I won't eat this. Da, da, da. Emotion. Mm. So again, as long as it's pleasure versus utility, there's always going to be a debate about what's the best diet. But if you strip it down, if you take away pleasure, if you take away religious observation, if you take away dietarily, emotionally charged adherence or conviction, utility is still standing there. And there I am with that single thing saying like, mm -hmm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, that's insane. I, I like that. And then like when you go on these like day long fasts, like is this like just to like kind of clean out the system? Like how does it like what's the point of these fasts? Man, more than uh, anything. If you look back in time, throughout time, for thousands of years now, the greatest Stoics, the greatest intellectuals, the greatest thought leaders, the greatest minds, certainly in all the religious texts, have used three things to find an elevated sense of consciousness or speak to God or their higher power or even within themselves. Prolonged fasting, mm -hmm. extended treks, and isolation. Prolonged fasting, extended treks, and isolation, whether it's Jesus, Muhammad, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Isaac Newton, Thomas Edison, Leonardo da Vinci, um, Maslow, the list goes on. Hippocrates. I mean, like, they all did that. Why? Because they knew there was something to be found there. They realized there was something to be found there because that is how you get yourself there. You can't do it with the impurities coming into your mind, into your mouth, into your ears, into your eyes. So you need these things to enact, to unlock that rather isolation. Great one to do it. Well, guess what? When you're on an extended trek, you're likely going to be isolated too. So there's a two for one there. And guess what? When you're on an extended trek and you're isolated, you're going to be fasting. So there's all three in one. <laughs> and when you're fasting and you just go on a run like I did, which is an extended trek and you're alone. You're fasting, you're isolated and on an extended trek. So like the parallels of all those are so seamless, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, the physical is a byproduct. The physical benefits rather are a byproduct or an indirect benefit, I should say, because to me, it's tapping into those three reasons, thinking about these past, think these past thinkers and these past thought leaders in the sense of like, all right, I can't 40 days in the desert. Allah, Jesus Christ. I don't know if, you know, where can I do that? What's my best way to do that? All right. I can fast for seven days and put myself through some suffering, right? I can consciously induce suffering for personal growth because for me, it's about self-mastery, nor, and the road to self-mastery is paved in suffering. And I don't mean in shackles and chains because I'm a, I'm a sadist or a masochist. I mean, like you got to endure something to grow. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta earn it. You know what I mean? It's not going to, greatness is not going to be given to you. And if it was, would you really appreciate it? That's why I'm so grateful that you cannot take a pill and change your body. Mm -hmm. It's not going to, 
happen on the spot. I mean, even if you take uh, performance enhancing uh, substances, you still have to do the work. Even though you're taking a shortcut, you still have to do the work. But thank God you can't just take a pill and become thinner, bigger. Otherwise, change your body because the work must still be done. And it is the work that instills the worth. So to me, <laughs> those three things of prolonged fasting, extended treks, and isolation, that's where I can cultivate my consciously induced suffering for personal growth. I love that, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing that. That's great. Um, all right, Jake. Uh, I just got one more question. It's the name of the podcast. So yeah. Jake Thomas, God yay or nay? <laughs> I definitely believe in something greater than humankind. What that thing is, he, she, they, them, it, I have no idea. But I believe there is a power greater than humanity. Uh, I'd like to think I've touched it a few times, maybe. And that's what I continue searching for now and why I do what I do. Because though I do believe in something out there that might be greater than we are, I am a believer that the real God for all of us is here. We, the individual, you, everything about you, nor a living miracle from birth. You were born perfect. Mother Nature made not one mistake about you. Everything from your waterproof skin to the vision and hearing and the senses that you've got that are still difficult to explain medically and scientifically. You know, and some things that we do as human beings still can't scientifically be explained. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be something, right? But don't discount the fact of your own magnetism, right? The, the magnitude of yourself the magnanimousness of what you are and what's inside you. And that's what I try to impress upon people and show them like, and where I kind of get divisive against certain groups or religious sects that, you know, everything has to be attributed to the, to the father, to the higher power. And thank you, God. Thank, it's like, thank yourself, man. Lean on yourself. There might, you might've been helped by people because I do believe it takes a village, but like, it's always gotta be you that makes the decision. It's always got to be you that walks through the door. Other people might help you get there. They might help you formulate the idea. They might help you. They might fucking push you right to the edge of the plane door, right? To jump out of, but you still have to do it. So yes, I believe in a higher power, but I think the greatest power that we all have is within ourselves. Amazing. All right, dude. Thanks so much, Jake. Um, <laughs> let, let my audience know where they can uh, get a hold of you. And like, I don't know, anything you want to promote, feel free to do it now. Yeah, man. Uh, you can find me at lifelikejake.com. That's my my website, but I'm most active on on Instagram at lifelikejake. Uh, you can fill out applications to join my programs there, uh, either on IG or on the website. And man, what I pump out most to everyone is to say, you know, I try to get people happy, healthy, and wealthy. How you define that is up to you. But I guarantee you, you come work with me. After you successfully negotiate one of my programs, you will never feel better you'll never look better and you'll never have more self-worth and i guarantee it fuck yeah all right thanks buddy <laughs> thank you man it's great to be here and i appreciate the time again today dude all right that was another episode thanks for listening everybody please like and subscribe to the podcast give it a good rating that always helps and share it with like-minded people i really do appreciate that you can check me out at newerkidy on instagram or check out my website, newerkidy.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. 
and all that other information. We're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.